Hey there, this is Patricia Tallman, and you're listening to Verbal Shenanigans. But our shenanigans are cheeky and fun. Yeah, I mean, his shenanigans are cruel and tragic. Which makes them not shenanigans at all, really. Evil shenanigans. I swear to God, I'll pistol whip the next guy that says shenanigans. Right, everybody, settle on in, strap on in, get ready to be blown away by witty conversation, knowledge, uh, amazing verbal skills, uh, knowledge of the English language that is going to tear your brain apart. This is the Verbal Shenanigans Podcast. Let's let's bring Mike on right now. Mike? I mean, you didn't really... When I applied for this job, you didn't say I needed those skills. Um, I feel awkward and all. Maybe I have to get my notice or something. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, you're, you're starting to get the hint now. We've been waiting uh-huh. for the. Unfortunately, oh, the... Scott, I got you. You know I can never leave you. This will never end, buddy. Just <laughs> you and me. Look at that. Look at that grin. What would you do if, like, all our family dies before us? We're just like. Like we're just old, like old, like nineties. Like everyone, everything we love is just dead and gone. My son doesn't talk to me anymore. He's got his own family. He despises me, and we're just still doing this once a week, just talking to each other. Yeah, I, I need one norm in my life. I like insanity everywhere else, but that'll be like my one norm. You know, it's like a, a cup of coffee in the morning. To uh, get you going and uh, to keep away the Alzheimer's, I'll be a ninety-year-old podcaster. You know how how we keep having like these technical issues. I got a couple things I got to fix here. Getting some new mm-hmm. point. Imagine us at ninety when like social media has changed and the the idea of a podcast might be one hundred percent different. Like we don't even really do video. We post some video interviews, but. Mm-hmm. We're, we're like behind on that now. Can you imagine how behind we're going to be? There's going to be like hologram podcasts where like you, you could play it in your house, you know? No, uh, you know what? I, I want to go backwards and all. I want eight tracks of our shows to be put out to the audience like 70 years from now. I want to be, I want to look like Jimmy Carter coming out during his uh, funeral and all the blanket on with my mouth open in a wide stare. And then every couple of minutes, I'll just say shenanigans. Maybe, maybe, yeah, like you're sitting in your diaper, just like, you know, like, <laughs> let's play a game. Who died this year? Who would you bring back? Oh, my family would be number one. <laughs> no, I'm not doing it. It's LeBron James. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe that would garner attention. Maybe if we put our episodes out on eight tracks, People would be like intrigued to go listen to the to the episodes. Yeah, it's like they'll be staring at like this eight track cassette with our emblem on it, and they're like, "I have no idea what this is, but I'm gonna have to go like on eBay to get a device to listen to this because I my brain is going to explode if I don't find out what's on this cassette." You remember a couple of, like years back, Wu Tang put out an album, but they put out one copy of the album. And it sold for like two million dollars or something like that. Like, 
in some ways it might be genius especially with like streaming coming in like mm. you get one person to buy it you know you've made x amount of money um maybe that's what we have to do put out like a million dollar podcast but only one person owns it i mean for yeah. us it, it might be more like 25 dollar podcast own our whole collection but does, someone does, would buy it does dominic have that kind of money Dom, he's Italian. They all have, they all got money. Oh, he's got connections. Okay, okay, yeah, we're yeah. good. We're good. <laughs> but anyway, that, that's we are... why I know we're not going to die. He's going to have connections and it's going to be like IVs shoved into us or whatever. Please let me die. No, episode 27,312. But it's funny as we, we are rolling, I guess now as this episode comes out, it's, it's December. We're rolling into. Um, I guess you kind of categorized uh, like on the RIMDB each year is kind of a season. This is, we're coming out with on the end of season ten here with four, I guess four more episodes. And the suspense, how what's going to be a cliffhanger going into twenty twenty four? And all I mean, we're getting into like always sunny South Park Simpsons territory now with with the with the length of this show. Well, we're getting a little bit there. I think we passed Cosby. That's an accomplishment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We we didn't get uh, knocked out in the process, so good for us. Yeah, yeah. If if, um, if you were presented with the option, our podcast would become wildly popular, but you had to <laughs> you had to get roofied by Bill Cosby. Would you accept that challenge? I mean, I wouldn't know what he did, so I guess I'll just wake up and like, well, I'm a little sore, a little sticky, but uh, at least I don't know what happened. <laughs> his glassy eyes, just looking, <laughs> cloudy eyes, looking at you. You just see him dancing in the corner with a sweater <laughs> and naked from the waist down, like a Winnie the Pooh and all. But it, how bad would it be if you knew he was going to root for you? You just didn't know where it was was it coming from your drink was it a pudding pop was it something that you ate like wouldn't it be weird to like okay well i know it's coming but i don't know how i, I think that would and be he's just like the he's fun. doing that stupid face he did in the yeah. jello commercials like hmm, you know <laughs> it, it'd be i mean i not to mock what he did to other women but i guess in this scenario it'll be it'll be almost kind of like you know I, i'd have the pudding up to my mouth and i'll be looking at him and He'll be giving like a smirk. I'm like, Bill, is this it? Is this the He's one? Like, I'm not telling you. And <laughs> <laughs> so mixed to Huxtable. You're so funny. <laughs> Take a drink from the sink and it's like, oh, you hit it there. How'd you do that? And it's like, conk out. So, yeah, we are coming on the end of the year. The, the, the Christmas season is upon us. We are. We're actually booked now for the rest of the year, so we do have um, some pretty exciting guests coming on, some strong ones, if you will. We have some uh, some stunt double-E ones, um, which which we'll get into in a second, um, and we have some adventurous ones, Mike, um, in the next couple weeks. But, yeah, we're, we're pretty stacked and all. We're actually not going to have a gap for the rest of the year unless we forget to put it up. There's there's chances of gaps, you know. There's yeah. always chances. Large chance of gaps. Forgot to say that. We've been pretty good. We've been back. We've been back pretty good on, on the regular. Um, but yeah, so the Christmas. Uh, I got thrown right into the Christmas fire this this weekend. The day so I hosted Thanksgiving at my house. The day after, um, my my whole family decided we were going to go on the polar express ride, which is basically a train ride, you know, for the kids and, you know, there's lights and characters and 
and and whatnot and all all that. And the, the train ride was pretty good. It was interesting because um, they had elves, which were midgets um, or little people, if you will, hmm. um, that would like walk by. And the one guy looked very, very similar to Danny DeVito minus mm. a whole bunch of teeth and was quite creepy. Um do you think they like these little people are sitting back looking at the calendar like in October it's like it's almost money season. It's almost money season. I think you have to, right? Like if you're a fat guy with a beard and you play Santa once a year, you know, this might be where you make your nut, you know, for the year and maybe maybe they get paid pretty damn well. The only thing was it was pretty funny like my wife and my sister-in-law like had to go to the bathroom on the train and they went and walked and they said like the one elf was like hitting on them like he was like yeah yeah you know like enjoying the train ride like meanwhile he's in full elf costume missing a bunch of teeth very interesting like he just slowly get into it i I like he didn't get like full in hey baby give me your number he's all like Mm -hmm. hey how are you enjoying the ride so far yeah you like what you see you know, yeah. I got some other costumes in my home and all little leather stuff. If you're interested, so the train ride was cool. Like there was jugglers, and they gave the kids cookies and chocolate milk, um, hot chocolate, and 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 things like that. So kind of brought the Christmas spirit on. So the next day, um, we were going to go down to my 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 parents' house to, which is in Wood- Woodbridge Township, New Jersey. And they have like a a light parade where all like the fire trucks and ambulances and whatever you know EMT vehicles, emergency vehicles are they're all lit up you know like with Christmas lights and they drive around. My son's really into trucks and so this is the third day in a row seeing my parents going into this um, Christmas spectacular, if you will, over the weekend. Now light parade was pretty cool. Um, like I don't mind it. It was. It's also free, which is nice. Um, but we go. It, it's funny. We go. We were, we were meeting at a restaurant after the parade was over, <laughs> and we we drive down, and we get to this traffic. And it's maybe the restaurant's maybe ten minutes away, and we get down this traffic light, and we see all these cops flying, and they're driving. Past. We're like, oh no! Like, and they're stopping in the intersection. We're like. Oh, you know, is there an accident like like above and they're flying in? Like, and then all of a sudden we're like, what's going on here? Raid was it goes around the whole town. So we got stuck at the traffic light and got to watch had to watch the entire per- Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Oh. And we had to watch the entire parade go go through the traffic lights again so we sat for another like 15 20 minutes and saw the whole light parade again because we happened to be at the next main road in town that was that was going through so oh we're like there it is again like meanwhile we thought there was like an accident or something it was just a parade coming back through the exact street we were on that kind of makes me think that has to be the absolute worst time to have like a house fire or somebody breaking in where it's like, well, we'd like to send somebody, but he's the fifth one in line in the parade and they they can't get out. They're behind the fire trucks themselves. So we're sorry, ma'am. Yeah. yeah. So 
it was cool. I mean, my son loved it. He was like, wow. Like, he was like, he hadn't seen it. The Two first parades time. in one day. Yeah. <laughs> so people are texting us like, where are you? We're like, well, we're behind the parade again. So we get to the, the restaurant. And uh, we sit down. We're eating. Actually, not eating. Um, so we sit down. We start to order. And things are just really slow. The restaurant's packed. Mm. It's just taking forever and ever. I'm hungry. My wife's hungry. And the kids, the first thing you do when you have a couple kids, you get them their food first so they don't like yeah. start tearing the restaurant apart and wanting to get out of their seat and running around. And like 45 minutes goes by, like 50 minutes. Finally, their food comes. My wife is starving. Our food eventually, like, does come but everybody's like on edge like all right you, you, like after a while you're sitting and you're kind of doing like the waitress look like like come on like you, mm-hmm. you're peering at them like ho- hopefully they'll come over and be like your food's right out you know coming right out so right before my food comes out my son's like he's getting all antsy and whatever and i the, the the place happened to have like a bunch of fire trucks and trucks in the it's called the firehouse so it has like you know things to look at so I'm like, oh, I'll go take them and look at the trucks while we're waiting for our, our food to come, Mike. He's, he's starting yeah. to go nuts. So I'm looking at him, looking at him, and like a couple of the, the women that were at the table that we were with, they were in the, the girls' bathroom, and they come out, and he's like, I want to go potty. And I'm like, okay, great. Like, you know, like we're, st- we're trying to potty train him and whatnot. I'm like, yeah. we got to go in the men's room. Go into the men's room. Oh, and he's like, I, I, and so there's t- two stalls in the men's room, yeah. both being occupied by two guys dumping their brains out. I'm like, oh, okay. And I'm like, all right, well, we can try. Now, keep in mind, I did we I didn't have a diaper bag. We left it in the car. We didn't think we need it. Yeah. <laughs> so two guys dumping it up. So I'm like, all right. And he's like, ooh, like I, he wanted to try the urinal. He's like, I I'll go pee pee. I'm like, okay. So I go to pull his pants down. He goes to start peeing and he's like ooh and as I'm pulling his pants down I realized oh no like he had an explosive like shit in his pants like all up his back starting oh. like yeah so there so there's only two urinals two stalls I have no diaper bag okay and I can't mm-hmm. leave the kid so I'm like okay uh, uh, you know I was like I'll try to change you no toilet paper so I, I pull his pants down and I just pick a paper towels next to me. And I'm there is just there's just shit everywhere. I don't know really how, how else to say it's up his back. And he's still trying to pee and I'm just scooping crap out. Then he starts to like try to put his hands in the urinal like, ooh, urinal cake. And he's like, look, daddy. And I'm like, no. <laughs> now, while this is all going on. Dudes are coming in and being like, oh, you know, I've been there, man, no problem. But they just peeing in the urinal next to me. So he's like dong height of these guys. And they're just going next to him. And I'm on the ground, also dong height, just trying to clean my son as these guys are peeing. Picture my left ear, like pocket height of these guys that are just peeing next to me. Two guys are dumping. And then he's like, trying to touch the urinal and as he does that he moves his shirt his shirt gets covered in poo like i'm 
I am at a loss. I'm just taking more and more paper towels and making a pile on the floor. <laughs> so, like, you can't even get everything into one scoop. You got like piles of poop paper towels, piles like, on the floor, while Junior's thinking it's Narnia to jump into the urinal. Yeah, yeah. At one and point, you're basically height of random male dog at the entire time. Male dogs just peeing next yeah. to me. And First smell time. completely surrounding you. Two dumpers yeah, next two... to you, one dumper in front of you. Yeah. I'm not sure and... if some guy ripped one while he was <laughs> peeing. Like, let me ask you, if you were the guy in this scenario and you pulled up on me and my son having a clear <laughs> emergency, poo emergency here, <laughs> would you wait five minutes or come back in or would you go pee right next to me i would definitely i'll give it definitely a minute like if i'm in like there's i have no options i'd just be like i'm sorry and just have to do it but i would at least acknowledge i don't want to do this right now but i pretty much you'll be getting paper towels and scooping urine out of my <laughs> pants in this scenario I would I'd like to think I would be like, I got to wait or I'd go back to my table for five minutes and come back in and let the poor guy who's using brown paper towels, you know, restaurant paper towels, which are not soft or nice. Um, yeah. I'm sure the child loved it when you like had to wipe his butt with the, those kind of paper towels. And then like, I'm like, you got to wash your hands. I'm like holding him up over the sink. His pants are down. I'm trying to shove the poo paper towels into the garbage can. And I get him out, and then, like, I see there's a bench outside. And meanwhile, I still have no diaper or anything. And I'm like, so my wife came walking. She's like, what's going on? I'm like, you got to go get the diaper bag. So I ended up changing him on a bench. Then I come back, and my, like, burger's there. And I'm, like, just, like, laughing. And everyone's like, what's the matter? And I'm like, I can't explain this while people are eating right now. I'm like, I'll have to tell you this story later. Um but man, it was, it was, I, the more I think about it, I'm basically kneeling on a floor with guys peeing next to me, two guys dumping next to me with my son just full of crap. That's basically but, what, what happened. I, I hope you, number one, I hope you were like red hot burning water, 10 gallons of soap on your hands before you went out and attempted that burger right there, number one. Yes, I actually did a separate visit back to the bathroom to to wash myself, like to to clean my hands and arms off because I, I gave the kid back. I'm like, oh, my God, like, I don't know, man, it, it, it was it's almost more traumatizing now as I'm telling the story and realizing some of the details I wasn't thinking about during that moment. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, man, dude, they were like there was like at least three guys who came and unloaded next to me. Yeah. So I figured like your pants is covered in stranger urine mm -hmm. sun poop and yeah, yeah, basically just, every combination i give you more props the fact that you were still hungry enough to eat that burger at that moment i'm probably like you know what <laughs> let me get to go when my body's ready in two hours i will attempt this now i will i will say i probably would have been more like that if we wouldn't we didn't wait that like hour and something hour and a half to get food beforehand it was so slow i was ready to eat anything Scott, you should have, since the parade was coming again, you should have got out. I'm guessing somebody from the fire trucks was flinging like Tootsie Rolls or something. <laughs> you should have prepared yourself for that. Yeah, so so that is what, what put me 
in the Christmas spirit this this week. That's also, I guess, our, our body fluid segment of the week for Joan there. Body um, fluid. I'm, I'm sorry, Joan. It just it just it seems to be what happens in my life. There's some kind of body fluid story weekly. Uh, 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 no spoilers for my story, but maybe two times. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Now, well, I, I will give you a little twist to it. Wasn't human, but go on. Go on with okay. your podcast. Well, well, why don't we, um, now that we've gotten everybody in the mood for, for what Christmas. Could, that's the cliffhanger for 2024. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> why don't we, uh, why don't we segue to our guest here? Um, oh. it, it, it is guest time. Maybe we'll, we'll cleanse everyone's palate with a nice, mm-hmm. interesting guest. And Absolutely. then we'll allow you to bring the audience back down right after our guest. So, right. Mike, who we got on the show tonight? All right. Tonight, we are talking with Patricia Tallman. She is a movie and television star. You maybe remember her as Lita Alexander from Babylon 5. I will always remember her playing Barbara in the 1990 remake of Night of the Living Dead. But you've probably also seen her in various television shows like Star Trek and Jurassic Park as somebody's getting flinged around as she is a professional stunt woman. So let's talk to Patricia. She's our first actress since the SAG strike ended. And also we're giving back to you people. The strike is over. The movies are making, we're all happy. And we got a new interview for you. Let's get Patricia on the line. Hi guys, how are you? Hey, Patricia. <laughs> I'm um, Mike. I'm a little jealous. It's like 30 degrees here in Jersey, and you're outside in what looks to be a gorgeous setting. So I'm I'm already a little jealous. Where I'm I'm in Southern California, so I'm really lucky. Yeah. <laughs> She's in the beautiful outdoors. We're in the dank basement, Scott. Oh, just right. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep, yep. Are you both East Coast? Yeah, I'm in Georgia now. I used to be in New Jersey. Scott's still up in New Jersey, so. Oh, okay. Well, Georgia's not as cold. Yeah, we're doing all right. Mm. Oh, 50s or so. I mean, I just need a sweatshirt. All the Southerners down here are in, like, 10 layers, so there's a difference. <laughs> <laughs> wow. What made, you, what made you go to Georgia? Uh, job took me here. Okay. That's simple. Mm. So, Patricia, thanks for joining us. Uh, you're actually our first uh, actor since uh, the whole SAG uh, uh, strike came right. about. So I'm kind of curious about how you how you felt during this, uh, the whole results and everything that happened with that. Yeah, it's a lot, isn't it? Uh, for, for us, it was a lot. I mean, the huge huge contract uh negotiation because it's been 50 some years since we've had a significant update in the contract there's been all these addendums and um what do you call that kind of like these intermediary deals um, as technologies changed so you know we've gone from cable which was like this cute idea no one thought would go anywhere right and then we were all worried about dvds when it turned out streaming was what we should have been worried about you know? <laughs> and it's kind of uh we're in that place again with the um with ai and streaming um it, it it's a uh, it's complicated 
and I'm hopeful that this contract that we have right now will be a great starting point for the new technology that we see coming down the pike. You know, at least there's some verbiage in there. It's 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 really um I don't I, I I will say it's at least incredibly difficult to plan for a technology we don't know yet what it's going to do and how it's going to affect everybody. But I think one of the things that we can all relate to is that nobody wants, you know, Scott, Michael, you don't want your image, your voice to be used by any other person or company for their own purposes. You know, it, it it's 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 important that that not only does sag after get this dialed in, but other countries have been watching this, you know, other actors in other countries, but also just other people. Like, what does this mean for us? We should have federal federal rules put into place around all of this. So it's been a really intense, and um, I, I think our negotiating committee did remarkably well, considering. Yeah. Mm. Uh, yeah, so I'm I'm hopeful that this is a good starting off point. So when you look at your, you know, your career has spanned so long in in pretty much every era that you just mentioned the DVDs, mm -hmm. the cable, the straight film. Even mm. when I, I see that you're, you know, part of Jurassic Park, you see the the entrance <laughs> of CGI, and yes. you've pretty much seen like the evolution of the film industry. Like, mm. is there a time period that you like consider like? That, okay, that was the best part of my career. Or do you do you oh. feel like it's still evolving to something better? Or was there like a golden age in in some ways of of film and, and your work? I'm so grateful. Thank you for for asking that. I mean, I'm just so grateful I got into the business when I did because I can be so appreciative. I, we were still, I, you know, I started in the '70s, so I was still really connected to the old Hollywood, what everyone would call old Hollywood. Sure. Some of my favorite films mm -hmm. are black and white, the old studio days when you had a contract with the studio and they put you in picture after picture after picture, and not just the actors, but wardrobe and audio and camera. You had a contract and you just worked on everything they told you to work on. You know, it wasn't it wasn't this independent, uh, same as an independent struggle. Now, there was a lot of negativity, a lot of bad shit that was going down in those days, too for women for people of color for you know just the abuse of the system etc cetera, etc cetera. so don't get me wrong i'm not i don't have rose colored glasses on and we you know we when we were starting to hear about the me too movement for example um those of us who've been in the business forever just kind of was we were like yeah it, this is good and you have no freaking idea how bad it really was that you really have no idea. No one I knew really I've known escaped it. Right. And it wasn't just women. You know, men were put on the spot too. And it was um, just a matter of course. And I'm so grateful things have shifted. I was just talking today too um, about the fact that we see now people of all sizes in TV and film and nothing is said about it. There's just a, you know, I love Taylor Swift dancers. Have you seen, have you seen Taylor Swift's show yet? Uh, know, we went I to the haven't. movie, we saw it in the movie theater. Well, her dancers are all sizes. She's got big people and little people and, you know, right. just, it, it's amazing and fantastic and everyone's great. And it's a joy to see this. 
So I think on that level, there's no question, um, inclusivity-wise, we're, we're doing so much better. Yeah. Uh, regarding technology, I guess a lot remains to be seen. What um, I thought was kind of cool during the strike was a lot of us got back on stage. We were doing live theater. Oh, and, yeah. uh, you know, that's my first love is live theater. So that's so yeah. awesome. And um, doing our own projects, people were kind of just getting themselves into a place of, well, I could write my own script. I could, you know, that's always important. I think as you two know, look at what you're doing with your podcast and with your own creativity. It's We can never stop doing that. I think we always have to do that. I'm very grateful I've seen what I've seen. Um, I, I am... Uh, I am happy that maybe people don't have to risk their lives in the same way as I did as a stunt person. <laughs> yeah. You know, now, now we can, we we've got some great effects that we can get across the same yeah. effect without mm. people dying. I think that's that's always positive. It's pretty cool, though. It's pretty cool that you 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 can. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I know, and, and Tom Cruise will do Tom, what Tom Cruise does best, which is risk his life, but. Uh, uh, my favorite stuff is always fight scenes anyway. I, I love telling story through fights. I love action. And I think that kind of action, fight scenes, is, is so much more exciting than just um, blowing things up. <laughs> it, which is, I, I think it's a limited entertainment value. <laughs> Absolutely. But actually, see, like I, I just came across a meme um, before we we got on. I was trying to get in touch with a friend, and I saw a Basil Rathbone meme. Now, Basil Rathbone back in the day, I don't kids. Um, Errol Flynn was a famous sword fighter, and Basil Rathbone always played the bad guy. So, mm -hmm. in all of those old um, sword fighting movies, black and white, so that was Basil Rathbone, and almost always it was either Tyrone Power or Errol Flynn, and um, I, I mean, you just—it doesn't get better than that. Watching those guys do that kind of work, mm. the Princess Bride, you know, yeah, harkens yeah. back to that. Mm, definitely. Yeah. Uh, you were talking about Me Too and how times have changed. Um, obviously, like one of my—I've said a ton of times as a horror fan, the remake of Night of the Living Dead, it, I think, is the best horror remake, hands down, number one nothing close to oh, it thank you yeah. so i'm kind of curious you know when they presented to you did they literally describe how they rewrote the barbara scene in this movie just totally flipping mm. the script or was it kind of like you signed on because you had a background with romero i know before this movie i'm just curious like was it laid out that you were going to be this like big powerful no you're not going to faint every time you see a zombie you're actually gonna <laughs> kick some ass uh, i'm really good friends with tom savini and we had we had been in school together he was he came in and, and was teaching makeup classes for actors and i met him then um and we we were in some classes together some of our stage combat classes and that's where he got to know uh kind of what i love to do which is be very physical and when he and George were putting the project together in Night of the Living Dead, he kind of reached out and said, hey, Patty, you know, we're, we're going to be doing a remake of Night of the Living Dead. Do you want to do it? And I went, no. 
<laughs> no, I, that's not me. I'm not that girl, you know. Mm. And Judith O'Day, she was brilliant in it, and that was that was the the perfect quintessential female character of the era. That's what happened, you know. But um, no, that's not for me. And he went, no, 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 no. Just read the script. <laughs> so I read the script, and I went, oh, okay, now I get it. Yeah. So then I was in. Yeah. It was Tom. Tom contacted me and asked me if I would be interested. So we touched on like, <laughs> um, you know, the, the length of your career, but we didn't really get into kind of your entry into it. Were you always like a, a kid who was involved mm. in theater or acting mm. or music mm-hmm. or being, you know, being in front of an audience? What was your mm-hmm. kind of entryway into your career? I was I was one of those little kids um, that I was always creating plays and musicals i wrote my own commercials and sang and danced in them you know, i was just little but I, my cousins were very creative and i would make everybody be in it yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. that was my sister when we were kids okay on, be, there you be, go. In, be in our dance recital that's, <laughs> that's, it. that's okay that's <laughs> it yeah yeah it, we and i loved it um i i was back in the day too we had barbie dolls and we would reenact star trek and dark shadows we would just like riff on the and make our own stories we'd either have star trek going on you know the original series or dark shadows oh amazing and so is it any wonder that i ended up in in horror and sci-fi right mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly so uh, i was that kid when when what it came in high school i was in all the plays and my parents said what do you want to do and i said i want to be an actor and they were like oh brother all yeah, right yeah. here we go <laughs> yeah and i went to carnegie mellon for um right as an acting major yeah, hmm. yeah. Uh, you, you brought up the star trek obviously you done a ton of work stunt work on star trek mm. and and you had babylon 5 i I, I found it almost hilarious i was, I was getting ready for this interview I, I listened to an interview you did with somebody else i could see like fans of sci-fi debating no star trek is this babylon 5 is that no intertwining no talking about it it's set right. forth but you yeah. talked about in an interview when you you were doing both shows mm-hmm. like they literally said like you can't bring up the other show over here no <laughs> is it like that type were they really thinking like you were a spy in some way or just try, try no to- you know i don't think i don't think most of them knew i was doing one or the other you know i would be on babylon 5 one day and, and deep space 9 the next day i i was doubling the Naw visitor and terry farrell on a regular basis as their stunt double and then I would get a guest star part um, and double the guest stars or I'd have a small, like my family said, if we saw you and you had a line, we knew you would die. And you know, something horrible was about to happen. <laughs> <laughs> so I did, I just did that all the time. And I, I kept quiet about it for a couple of reasons and not unlike what you just said, Michael, but um, it, 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 I, I didn't want anyone to tell me I couldn't. Right. Mm -hmm. So just just I'll just be chill about it and not talk about it. But also if uh, being an actor in Babylon 5, they wouldn't want me doing stunt work and getting hurt. Mm. You know, they wouldn't want me to do stunt work. They might even try to 
you know, uh, uh, make that a contractual deal. So, cause I heard when I was working on next generation, Michael Dorn, who is a pilot, uh, was not allowed to fly planes for his contract for like, what was, what was that five years on, on next gen? Mm-hmm. So I didn't want anyone telling me what to do. So I just didn't talk about it. Hmm. So, and I was always, uh, I honestly, I ran over from, I left, that's was I shooting deep space nine or were we still doing next gen? And I, I left the set at Paramount and went to the screening of our pilot uh, for Babylon 5. So that probably was next generation. And, and, and snuck in in the back, and I was still, you know, I had been in as somebody as dressed as somebody else at over at Paramount, so I wasn't out looking my best and all actressy fab. So I sat in the back just trying so I could see the, what was going on. It came in late. Um, I was on the Deep Space Nine set. I was I was uh, doubling Terry for that episode, and I was at what we call craft services. Are you familiar with craft services? Mm-hmm. It's where we get our coffee and yep. snacks between yep. meals, right? For your listeners. And I was at craft services grabbing a coffee and uh, one of the producers on Star Trek on Deep Space Nine came up to me and real, he kind of was acting real casual. And I was like, what's up with him <laughs> coming over to me? And finally, he just goes, I love you on Babylon 5. And then he <laughs> took off, <laughs> disappeared. I didn't even know anyone knew I was on the show because at that point, B five was was still struggling for its audience, right? And we weren't mm. hadn't really got a lot of traction yet. And the thing about, as you know, with Babylon five, it, it was, um, it was syndicated, so we didn't have one home. We were moving around from channel to channel. It was hard for fans to 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 stay involved. Yeah, so I was kind of amazed. So my my question is kind of a a, a two parter. Um, one is is clearly a probably question get asked a lot. How did you get into stunt work when you you know you're mm-hmm. getting in as an actress? And then the second part is like mm. when you establish yourself as a stunt woman or a stunt man, is it mm-hmm. hard to get work as an, an actress now? And mm-hmm. like, do a lot of people bounce back and forth between them? It it uh, nowadays it's a lot different, but but in my day you did yeah it was very hard. If you were thought of as a stunt person, right. you were not thought of as an actor. If you were thought as of as a television actor, right. you were not thought of as a film actor. Mm-hmm. Right? It was mm-hmm. so segregated. So uh, once again, we didn't talk about it. <laughs> I, w- I mean, I was on a set with Spielberg. Right? I'm I'm doubling Laura Dern in Jurassic Park, and yep. I mm-hmm. I never said to Mr. Spielberg. Hey, by the way, I'm an actor. Is there a <laughs> yeah. little thing I could do? You know, you don't do that. You didn't do that in those days um, without being thought an incredible amateur. So <laughs> I just, <laughs> I was doing my job on that day, and that was those. That's how you did it. Um, so to go back to how did I get involved with stunts? Yeah, I yep. started as an actor. I was a kid actor. I started when I was 15, doing my first professional job, and then. Obviously, you know, I went to, I kept going and conservatory work. And then um, I was in New York City as and working as an actor. And I, uh, I'm a nerd and I was taking period sword technique classes because, of course, <laughs> why, you do. Why right? not? Yeah. Why not? Because <laughs> I love uh, free that time. <laughs> <laughs> exactly right. And in the class, I met some stunt people. I don't think I was even really fully cognizant of 
like stunts as a career. When I did a, I did the George Romero film Night Riders in 1980, and I met a lot of stunt guys on that. So that was my first little window of ah, stunts is that's a whole career. They're actually in the union. There's Screen Actors Guild now. There's SAG actor Right. So it was within my union and I thought, oh, that's cool. I didn't think about doing it myself. But now at least it was on the radar. And when I was um, still in New York and let's see, I was, what job was I on? I think I was just doing some theater work. Um, I was taking these period sword technique classes and I was, I was struggling for money as is common. Um, and the, the stunt coordinator who was in the class with us all kind of took me aside one day and said, you know, I need a stunt woman who's five foot nine, who has red hair about your build to, to fall down some stairs for me. Would you do that? And I was like, okay, you know, I, I don't know. But so uh, he, they, they took me aside in one of the dojos we, where we worked out. And um, they showed me how to fall down the bleachers. We had bleachers in the dojo. And uh, uh, I thought, yeah, okay, I can do that. So I, it ended up being, it was on a, a soap opera called All My Children. Yep. And oh. in, the, in the soap, there, they had this, this older actress who was a little drunk and falls down the stairs in her of course she's wearing a nightie right so there's no place to put real pads and pad yeah. up and take care of yourself <laughs> but i did the i did the stunt and the director was like oh my god that was so great can you make it funny oh god yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay so i did a kind of an ass over teacups kind of thing and yeah. <laughs> and they loved it and had fun and i went home and i made twelve hundred dollars that day do you know how much money that was to be yeah. in the 70s mm -hmm. I that was imagine. like a month i would of, go uh, down the stairs right now if you were right, working <laughs> in the little girls department at macy's that was a month salary for me yeah. you know so i i i thought okay this is cool the the I didn't, I saw it as kind of a one-off, but the coordinator came back to me and said, I've got this thing where I need a bunch of us and they're going to shoot fake bullets at us. And uh, would you do that? And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm just also <laughs> yeah. still in the union, the actor's union, right? So um, I started to pick up these odd jobs as uh, doing stunts in New York City at the time. Wow. Now, We've been doing this show for a while. We've had a lot of guests, and once in a while, we have two guests that cross each other's paths in some way. <laughs> we've had UFC fighters, we've had mm -hmm. wrestlers, we've had awesome. boxers, <laughs> and in none of these points have we ever had a guest where we go, what was it like to get punched by one of our former guests? <laughs> now, we've had Tuvok, Tim Russ, oh, on the program before. <laughs> As I'm researching this, I, I see YouTube that says Tim Russ punched me. Um, right. Can you tell us about that time it happened? Oh, I love Tim. We're, I, I'd like to say that we're good friends. I mean, I think he's fantastic. And we we get down in politics all the time. So we were, we're always riffing on politics when we were at a convention together or whatever. I really think he's an amazing guy, super talented. Mm. And um, 
I know I didn't want to embarrass him, but I was kind of poking at him one day. And now now I know he's cool. So I, I tell the story. I was doubling Nana Visitor. I was her regular stunt double. And Nana is a dancer. She's really handy. We call it handy in a stunt world, meaning you can give her something to do and she can sell it. She can make it look good. She can make it look real. She understands distance things. So we could teach her hand-to-hand fights. She'd do a great job. But she was so kind and knew that unless I got on camera at my back, it doesn't have to be any recognizable bit as a stunt person, but even mm. my hand on camera would mean then I would get residuals for that episode. Nice. So she would, she, they would shoot her face and they were shooting the back of, in this episode, Tim was a Klingon and his stunt double is that we're on the back of Tim's stunt double doing all of Nana's close-ups so you can see her doing the fight scene. She's amazing. She's selling it great. And then she says, when they're ready to turn it around, she goes, great, I'm going to go outside and have a cigarette. Pat can do the rest. So I get to step in, and and now we're on Tim. Mm -hmm. And Tim's also great. He's really great. We walk through the fight. He's totally great. He just made one mistake, which was instead of keeping his distance when he threw the punch, he stepped into it and full on punched me in the face. <laughs> Pow! I mean, you hear the crew behind me go, oh, <laughs> it was that you hear it, you hear a crack of his knuckles on my forehead. And and I hear Dennis, our stunt coordinator, go, Cut. And I said, I turned and I go, no, don't cut. Keep going. I mean, he's already punched me. What else? Yeah, can yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they all went again because of this egg had popped out on my head like four inches. And I was like, that's OK. Let's just keep going. And so we finished the fight. The moral of the story was, though, I had I had felt like that day the powers that be, the suits were going, why do are we paying this stunt woman when Nana is perfectly capable of doing this and that little one moment yeah, point at the egg this is why this yeah. is why, this yeah, yeah, is yeah, why. Yeah, exactly yeah. right exactly right and then the she producer's tried. like can you punch her again but make it funny <laughs> funny that was already pretty funny but she had a photo shoot later they were doing a tv guide photo shoot later so she wouldn't have been able to do it had right so it all worked out really really well and i i i need i mean it it was it looked more gnarly than it was. It was fine. But yeah. I do like to tease Tim about it. <laughs> <laughs> so when we scheduled this interview and, it, you know, I, I, I looked at, you know, your, your career and, and obviously Jurassic Park is one of those films that sticks out to anybody. You know, it, it, you're talking about an iconic film that we talk about 30 years later mm-hmm. almost now. And oh my God. Um, we're at the point now <laughs> where we see documentaries and little things uh, about the making of the movie. I'm just curious your experience on um that movie and and seeing interviews from other people they say like you know they they really didn't know kind of how big it was going to be until they really figured out like the cgi portion of it mm. to make those dinosaurs look the way they did but before that it, it seems like everybody was saying i don't really know how this is going to look or feel did you like feel how big that movie was or was it after you saw that whole thing come together and what the dinosaurs look like. Mm. Like, oh my God, this is, you know, this changed film. We, yeah, we'd never seen anything like Jurassic Park. So there was nothing to, to, we didn't have any anticipation. You know, we saw Mm. storyboards and the storyboards are black and white sketches. Right. And then for our stunt coordinator, Gary Himes, an amazing guy. 
he um before any action and we did this on more than one movie i worked on speed and we did the same thing he pulls out he's got like this velveteen bag and in the bag are a bunch of matchbox cars and dinosaur baby dinosaurs plastic <laughs> dinosaurs and he would lay out okay here's what we're going to do right i think my first my first gag was um when we rescue jeff goldblum in the jeep and the t-rex comes out of the jungle and chases the jeep they, we we don't know, <laughs> you know. Right. Yeah. And, and Gary's got this little matchbox jeep, and he says, "Here comes the dinosaur, grr, arg, you know, it's going to chase, and then we're going to hit the branch, and the, and Pat, you're going to need to duck, and then the the T Rex is going to hit. Sorry, my phone is going off there. The T Rex is going to hit the side of the jeep with its head. So, um, that I I I I was along for the ride because I was already in the jeep. Laura has jumped into the Jeep, so I didn't even have to do that part. We were we had the great good fortune of being directed by Spielberg. So he's in the in the camera car right in front of us off of our front right bumper. And the stunt guys are driving. We have a stunt guy in the back doubling um, Jeff. And we're going to go break through the, the log. Yep. And we, we have to duck or our heads would come off. But the, I mean, it was a breakaway log, but still, we would have gotten seriously gnarled <laughs> if we had duck. <laughs> and then we had in the jeep this huge, this piece of a telephone pole, that right in the middle of the jeep, and an explosive that's going to be set off at a particular time, uh, meaning that it, it's going to drive this piece of telephone pole down into the ground. Um, it's going to make the jeep jump right so when mm -hmm. spielberg says three two one and he says pat when i say three you're going to look up there and they have this big stick 15 20 feet high whatever however tall this t-rex is and on the stick is a disc uh you know like a big like a large pizza disc mm -hmm. white cardboard nailed to the end of it and someone had taken a sharpie and drawn a happy face with teeth <laughs> <laughs> and then the, the, the stick was metered off, black, white, black, white, so that that was all for the effects guys right. to know mm. how tall and how much how much this is representing. And he said, at, at one, you look here, and I'm looking at the top of the stick with the T-Rex face. And two, we want you looking here. And the guy showed me right where the T-Rex head would be, you know, different angle. On three... The T-Rex is hitting the side of the Jeep with its head yeah. and the telephone pole is going to be exploded into the ground and make the Jeep jump. And, and that's what we did at going like 20 miles an hour through a jungle uh, with the camera car right in front of us. And uh, it was it was absolutely so much fun because I get to have Spielberg direct me for, you know, for the team. <laughs> Say, okay, Pat, one, two, three, four, you know. I, I mean, that just had to blow you away when you saw the final product, though. Well, that's like, it. When we yeah. were in the, we went to the, we went to Universal to see it, uh, you know, a commercial uh, viewing. And it was cast and crew uh, and audience. And, and just like Sam and Laura, when they first see the dinosaurs, we were all, <laughs> Holy <laughs> shit! Yeah, oh yeah. my god, that's amazing! It really was amazing, and the whole movie was like that. It was just, oh my god! But at the end, when they ran the end credits, they credited me as Patrick Tallman. 
Oh, really? <laughs> I remember everybody looking down the row at me and went, oh, Pat. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, girl. <laughs> I swear oh. I was in it. Yeah, whatever. Your brother. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, anyway. But, yeah, we didn't have any idea. And then even just seeing Jurassic Park that day, we still had no idea the the cult status that was the impact take off from the the impact but then and now people have all these accounts that are just fan accounts for the film and you know they uh i saw laura dern at a party and she interrupted she was talking to julianne moore and she goes oh oh wait julianne this is my stunt double pad (laughs) (laughs) julianne moore's all pissed off because i interrupted it's so funny it's like get out of my way shorty (laughs) get over it yeah (laughs) julianne's like this big right and you know laura and i are anyway yeah she was i i think i still think of laura as being my favorite actress that i've ever doubled Well, Patricia, we're coming up on our time, and I wanted to make sure uh, you've done a lot of uh, <laughs> charity work. That's great. Can you tell us a little bit about like uh, the children of Penny Lane and oh, the Be a Santa program? I, thank you so much. Yeah, you'll find it all over my socials right now because we're fundraising for Be a Santa. I've been doing this for almost 30 years, since 1995, and it's, it's like the original crowdsource. It's all been sci-fi and horror fans who have made this little program happen for the kids of Penny Lane. Uh, the the kids are foster kids. They've been um, so severely challenged by life. Like you don't even these there's stories you you should never hear that a child has gone through. It's one of those situations. And these kids are so they're they're really challenged and um, and amazing. And I've been working with them for a long time. And I'm really thank you to all of you who are listening who have donated in the past. And if you wouldn't mind, uh, bsanta.org. Um, to every $5 helps. I mean, every penny goes to the kids. And what we do is we provide meals. Um, uh, we provide a, an event with Santa Clauses and fun things for them to do. Um, nice. And we give every kid gifts so that are age appropriate for that kid. My, my, the, my heart really belonged to our teenagers. I had teenagers from 13 to 18 but it, when you read a little more about Penny Lane, and you can see PennyLane.org on online as well, you can see the programs are really remarkable. They're groundbreaking, and I'm so proud to be a part of this incredible, this incredible service for the kids. So thank you for for mentioning it. I appreciate it. Of course, of course, Absolutely. and we appreciate you telling your story and all. We really enjoy talking to you. We, when you have more projects going on, we'd love to have you back on. If anytime. Uh, if, if people want to get in touch with you, where can they go? I'm on Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash Patricia Tallman page. And I'm on Instagram, Patricia Tallman dot rocks. Um, Cause I like rocks and crystals and, <laughs> and fossils. So Jurassic Park was it? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. On the socials, I, I'm all over the place. I'd love to, to have you there. Absolutely. And final question, who's more intimidating, the horror fans or the sci-fi fans? Oh, the horror fans. Yeah. Definitely horror fans. <laughs> the horror fans are badass. You know, they get real, uh, they can get dark and goth, and they're they're not afraid of, of going to the dark side. The sci-fi fans are, are amazing, um, intelligent, and fun, but the horror fans have got that edge, you know, that's that's a little more intimidating. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, can, can, I'm you really, Mike, can you tell Mike's a horror fan? <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. Well, yay, my people. <laughs> They're all my people. I love it. Patricia, thank you so much for your time. Uh, we look forward to your new projects and we'll definitely keep in touch. Thank, thank you, you, Patricia. Guys. I really appreciate it. All right. Patricia Tallman. Very good interview, Mike. I, I very much enjoyed her. Yeah. Yeah. Scott, how much would you want to get paid to be in a teddy and get thrown down the stairs out of curiosity? I would rather be in a teddy and get thrown down the stairs than what I experienced the other day at the restaurant. Yeah, but you weren't getting paid to show. No, no, I would do it for I would do it for free. If they were like, (laughs) look, this situation will be erased from memory or or it will not happen. You just gotta get in this teddy. And <laughs> throw your ass down those stairs. I'm I'm going head first. Yeah. You, so you're basically saying they're walking up to you with the men in black stick and they're like, we will push this button in front of you. But yep. you got to get in that lingerie and flip head over ass down like two flights of stairs. You're like, sign me up. Strap me in, baby. Tighten it up. <laughs> I'm going down the stairs. <laughs> I, I wonder if that's ever going to be uh, like a. You know, like how like Elon Musk is working on like the neural link where he can like, you know, like uh, supposedly the first parts are like for paralysis victims and things like that, where, you know, it, it would connect into their brain and, and be able to kind of control their thoughts would be able to control the body parts and whatnot. Mm-hmm. I wonder if they'll be able to make like a specific memory deleter. You know what I mean? Like something that could they could find where that thing is in your brain and treat it with like a like a flash or a pill or or something where they're like you can get rid of that memory forever the my only concern is being an it guy i know there's going to be some situations where i'm going to like get some job and it'll be my job it's like i was trying to forget about that embarrassing day turns out i forgot all of my 12th grade life (laughs) yeah yeah but like, like, could you think of memories that you would not want to have? Like, could you think of, like, okay, I would love to delete that. I mean, I'm sure there's a couple there. I mean, I'm pretty much shared everything on this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Let's like, go, just go to an episode and be like, Burley would erase that. Yeah, Burley would erase that. That's pretty much my life, yeah. Yeah, I could think of a few that I think maybe would be nice to, to mm. get rid of a memory, but... Yeah, I would, I would, I would take the teddy and the going down the flight of stairs. See, my only problem is the second I get it deleted, you'll be there waiting to re-input it into my brain. Then I would have to pay, go back and pay for another session to get it re-deleted. Yeah, that'd be great. You you got deleted, and then I sent you the episode. Hey, check this out, and you listen to yourself telling that story. (laughs) (laughs) Like every time I come out of the place, I'll like. My wife will just hand me a piece of paper. Don't talk to Scott. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That'll be the rest of my life. It'll be like that movie Memento where he has to like tattoo himself to to remember things because he has short-term memory loss. Yeah. Why do you have a tattoo that says you were a toothbrush? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Patricia Tallman, pretty fascinating interview. So, Mike, mm. what do you got? Now that we've we did the intermezzo, if we, which like when yeah. you get. When you get the little like uh, Italian gelato in between meals, you know, we yeah. had the one poop story that was kind of harsh and spicy. Now we've cleansed the palate. What are you bringing to the table this week? All right. So 
couple nights ago. Um, I'm in the bedroom. Ooh. Uh, um, yep, I'm in, I'm there by myself and all. Um, Ooh. I'm struggling to get some sleep. Um, because uh, my uh, third dog Vader, he's having stomach issues. So like, every time I doze off, maybe like two hours later, he's giving me the cry. He's got to go out, whatever, mm. and all. He he's got um. If we take him out and I like going to try not to go into too much detail, but you can kind of guess uh, it's coming out liquid. What he's doing, he's kneeling down and it's coming out in the gowns or whatever. It's all right, Mike. On this episode, you could you could tell him it's diarrhea, guys. <laughs> That's the secret word, Scott. If you, <laughs> if, if you didn't read between the lines, guys, I just broke it to you. We're coming in uncensored this week. Yeah, yeah. So he's got some diary or whatever but um so he's woke me up twice on this and we're i'm in the bedroom and i gotta keep the door closed because i don't want him to go out into the living room and do that on the floor right right and, and the wife is upstairs because she's struggling to sleep and a lot of times when she can't sleep she goes into the guest room to like meditate whatever and go to sleep or whatever so it's like three in the morning and he's starting to cry. And I'm like, all right, I got to get up and do this. Sure. I go to the bedroom door. I turn the knob. <laughs> nothing's happening. I'm switching it back and forth. So the door's not open. The door's not open. It's not locked. It's not working at all at this point. <laughs> And we've had this issue before, but it's generally like you just do it a couple of times and it'll work. I'm doing it for like five minutes and this door is not budging. So I got a dog so next to me. You're locked in a room with a diarrhea I'm, dog. I'm locked in a room with a diarrhea dog and I'm, I'm starting to Most panic. likely was, part of the name of this episode, by the way. <laughs> so I'm like turning the knob and I'm just yanking, hoping like it would just... Come, you know, just dispatch, can go out, let the diarrhea dog out. Unbeknownst to me. Yeah. Unbeknownst to me, like, I'm I'm thinking in my head, I mean, you know me, I, I think I'm not that loud and you're, and everybody knows my volume is like 10 times higher than it should be. Yes. As I'm like jerking this door, I'm thinking I'm doing it quiet. It wakes up my wife and she immediately thinks that somebody is trying to break into the house. And she's like actually upstairs, like bawling, and she's yelling <laughs> my name. And she's trying to get confirmation that I'm not a burglar or murderer of some type. All right, hold on. Let me just set the scene, make sure I'm understanding the story correct. Maybe yeah. paint the picture for the listeners. Okay. So you're locked in a room with diarrhea dog. Uh-huh. Now you're panicking, trying to rip the door down. Yes. And now you have a crying, panicking wife downstairs, upstairs, all, upstairs, all at the same time. Yeah, I got yeah. that correct, right? Yeah, and she's like, I, I don't hear her at first because I keep on like, get, I gotta get out of here, I gotta get out of here, and she's like, on my name. Luckily, I heard her on like the third time she yelled because she literally said she had her phone in her hand and she was about to call. 911 on me. It'd be great if, like, 
the firefighters come blast down the door. You're just like sitting there with like a doorknob in your hand covered in dog. <laughs> just dog yeah, I mean, like point the hose in there. We got to take. <laughs> okay, so, so so finally the wife understands. I'm like I'm locked in the room, <laughs> and the dog's got diarrhea. <laughs> now I. I I have, I have a way of getting out, but I'll explain why I didn't do it before. But the continued story, the only way I could get out was I had to go to my wallet and get a credit card and pass a credit card through the crack because my wife knows the credit card trick. I, I have no idea how that credit card trick works, but she literally broke me out with a credit card. So if it was just you in the room and no wife, you could have died there with the diarrhea dog because you have no clue how to get out. No, not technically, but I'll explain why afterwards. Like, it just one of those, she's like about to ask me, what what's going on? Will you scare me? Blah, blah, blah. I'm just like, get out of my way, diarrhea dog. Go outside. Drops a gallon out there. Yeah, no, I, I have been in the diarrhea dog situation. It is not a... Not a fun one. I've had no. my dog where he goes out 50 times in the night and he's just, the poor dog is just shooting hot magma. Yeah, absolutely. So when I get in, she asks me, she's like, there's a door in the bedroom to the deck. Why didn't you go out the deck door? And I explained to her, the problem is I don't have keys to the house. My keys were in the kitchen and I had no leash. So my dog runs, so I either would have had a sprinting diarrhea dog running off the porch, not knowing if I could catch him and not knowing if I can get back inside or try to break door down the door. It would be great if you're breaking down the door, your wife is panicking and someone's breaking in. At that moment, you're like, oh, it's not working. You go out the deck door and go to the front door and start shaking the knot. And she starts to think there's there's two. There's oh, my God. There's a gang trying to kill us. Those damn Georgia gangs. Oh. Yeah. So, yeah, I think. But could you have gone out the deck and, like, ring the doorbell or something? I, I was attempting not to wake her up, number one. Because, like I said, she doesn't sleep as is, and when I don't sleep and she don't sleep, we're not a great combo. We're in the same room together. So, so in the meantime, your decision was to shake the door violently enough where the house is vibrating. Made sense at three in the morning with a diarrhea dog. Okay, it totally did. But like I said, the main thing was I didn't have keys to the inside, and I didn't have a leash. And uh, Vader, the diarrhea dog. He's one of those, if I don't have him on a leash and have him on a runner, he loves to just, like, sprint, and he looks like a big wolf, so I don't want anybody then screaming, oh, my God, there's a wolf in the neighborhood and going after my dog. There's some kind of wolf that has propulsion. I don't understand. <laughs> this is the weirdest werewolf movie ever. So what, what ended up happening? I mean, you basically got the solution, like, it's a happy ending. The dog diarrhea is outside. I had to keep the door cracked a little because he woke me up two hours later to go for another set of diarrhea. But I did change the doorknob the following day. So victory for all of us. My wife eventually slept, not that night, because she spent the entire night thinking she 
murderer almost came into the house. But now all all W's across the board. Now listen, I'm happy your dog made it outside. But mm. part of me was kind of hoping you were rooting for the diarrhea I, on the rug and I was rooting for you trapped in the diarrhea room. I'm not gonna lie. And this then your is wife the worst walks, escape room ever. And then your wife opens the door and there's just a a massacre scene going on yeah. in the bedroom. You just see me shoveling with paper towels like you. Yeah. Scott show me this. You don't understand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh well. Yeah, so that, two yeah. for one, ladies and gentlemen, two for one. Yeah. I had a second story, but since Scott opened with that, I'm like, uh-uh, got to bring the arsenal to into this one. <laughs> my, um, I, I, I have a quick story, which is kind of interesting. My, um, so when we went to that Polar Express, my dad was like, he was kind of off. Like I could tell he was, I don't know, didn't see himself. Yeah, and I'm like, what's the matter? And it's like, oh, I had a crazy experience today. Um, I was driving around the corner. Actually, my mom was telling me the story. She's like, yeah, dad was driving around the corner from the house, just around the block. And all of a sudden, he just sees boom. And he just sees a kid like pop up. A little, like eight, nine-year-old kid was driving in a go-kart, uh, like on the street, which is clearly mm-hmm. illegal. <laughs> And just ran into the side of my dad's car. And the car actually got wedged under my dad's SUV. And the but like the front of it and the kid the the kid was okay, but like apparently the brother like ran to get the father and they had to call the cops. And like my dad was just like very shook up from the whole event, thinking like, you know, that kid could have easily been dead had he not hit you know, if he hit the front of the car. If you yeah. hit, the, hit the tire or whatever it was, but a very strange occurrence. So was the kid just like out of control and it just popped out of nowhere or? My dad said he, he's not even a hundred percent sorry. He said he just turned the corner and all of a sudden he just like, like heard something hit the car. And then he saw like a kid pop, pop up like in the side window, like just like, but man, like I, I get it though. You, you hit a kid in a go-kart. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I have a cough that just like won't go away for the last six weeks. But, um, y- you know, the kid's very lucky to be alive. I I, I just wish he like pop he he landed inside the car and he's like, "Hello, Mister Brennan, nice to meet you." I think you know, if you let your kids ride a go kart and you he hit somebody, my dad should have got at least to keep the go kart. That would have been a fair trade. That would be. That would be like the most awesome judge ever. No? <laughs> Welcome to Rad Court. You, gr- you ran into his car. Guess what? He gets the go kart. Be great. The kids crying. My dad's like dragging the go kart, the damaged go kart out of the courtroom. Like, <laughs> sorry. Son. You just see him driving by their house, waving and all, hitting mm-hmm. the horn and all, mocking the kid. <laughs> and then like him driving, bully. him driving it past their house the next day. Like, woo, this is fun. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't know. Kind of a weird experience. I had go-karts growing up all the time. We drove them in the woods. I mean, that was the best way to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. But, um, I think it's, uh, I think it's time for us to get out of here. Um, Mike, unless any- you, well, none of us have any more diarrhea stories. 
Um, you I'm know, tapped we, out. I'm sure we have several, but we could save them for multiple. Why would we waste all our diarrhea stories? That, that is true. We, we got to think of season 11. I apologize, everyone. I, yep. oh. <laughs> Where's my brain nowadays? Mike, anything to promote before we get on out of here? Uh, I am going to promote the movie The Treasure of Foggy Mountain. Three childhood friends who live and work together don't like where their lives are headed and set off to find gold treasure rumored to be buried on a nearby mountain. It's a movie done by the Please Don't Destroy comedy group, which you might see on SNL, and it stars a former guest of the Verbal Shenanigans podcast, Jamie Lynn Watson, the sprinter, if you will. Scott, I'm sure you'd... When you were preparing this episode, you were like, I hope you, I bring up the sprint turn again. But she was a lovely guest, and uh, it's a great movie for Winer's Sands, so I'm promoting it. It's on Peacock. The movie is called The Treasure of Foggy Mountain. Very cool. I will. Um, it's the holiday season. Maybe you're looking for a gift for your, your loved one. Maybe you want your diarrhea dog. You got to get him something to cheer him up. Uh, maybe you need something to help clean up a mess in a public bathroom. Um, but either way, um, former guest of the show, guy I got to open for a couple times as it, when he was in New Jersey, Zane Lamprey, um, host of Chug and Drinking Made Easy and Three Sheets. Um, very great guy. He just, uh, it was the last day to get the new adventure hoodie on Kickstarter. Um, apparently the hoodie, he, he's putting out this clothing line of hoodies that's like, made for adventure like the pockets like are able to keep like a drink cool um it's just made out of like high grade material um and and pretty cool so if you you're interested in getting a nice sweatshirt for your friend for your dog for your you know someone in the bathroom to apologize to uh go ahead over to zane lamprey's uh instagram and check out his kickstarter and and buy your uh drinking jacket uh for uh, one of your friends so other than that, guys, we have a pretty fun month coming up of uh, some really cool guests. Uh, hopefully, less diarrhea stories on the horizon, but we can't we can't, we can't promise you. You never know what will happen in these next seven days before we bring you another episode. So, um, other than that, guys, keep uh, sharing, keep promoting, keep uh, listening, follow us. Um, other than that, life is funny. Laugh at it. Keep the wind at your back. Isn't it ironic we told number two? poop stories.